0: Speculative bubble-like market.
1: Yeah, the top end of the speculative bubble. Well, we shall leave listeners yeah. with that thought <laughs> right there. Thank you very much. You heard there, Stuart Allcroft, chairman of City Trust, Will Denyer, U.S. economist and asset allocation strategist at Gavacal, and RTHK's international economics correspondent Barry Woods. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three. Let's take a look at the, the more subdued Asian markets. Over in Australia, the SX200 now slipping a little bit, down about a quarter of a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan, up two-thirds of one percent. The Cosby rising slightly just after the open. That's jumped about 0.1 percent. And the futures market, suggesting that the Hang Seng is going to add about 0.9 percent. That's about 260 points or so at the open. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil trading at $56.11 a barrel. Gold is at one thousand. One thousand eight hundred and fifty-one dollars an ounce. Do stay tuned to Radio 3. Back chat's coming up next with Hugh Chiverton and Anna Fenton. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast for this Wednesday morning. Mainly cloudy, sunny periods during the day. Maximum temperatures are around 21 degrees. The outlook mainly fine in the next few days. Warm during the day tomorrow. Rather cool mornings on Friday and Saturday. It's 18 degrees right now. 75% relative humidity. Just gone 8.31, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news.
2: The government says it found one confirmed case out of 330 people following an overnight lockdown and mandatory testing at two streets in Yaomate. Parts of Tungon and Pitt streets were sealed off without warning at 7pm and reopened before 6am to allow people to go to work. Inside, the government set up eight temporary testing stations and ordered people to take tests before midnight. Authorities also visited more than 300 households and said 93 of them did not answer the door. The head of the Medical Association Dr Choi Kin told RTHK this morning he was sceptical of the benefit of such small lockdowns.
3: Limited area lockdown after you pick up the infected person. The area is opened up again to other areas which have not been checked and carriers can still come back to this area to infect the people in this area. So it's not a united front
2: He said a better method would be to enforce tighter border controls and not let people such as embassy staff or mainland arrivals enter Hong Kong without COVID checks. The total number of coronavirus cases recorded around the world has now passed 100 million. More than a quarter of them have been in the United States. Here's the BBC's Steve Jackson.
1: It was just a year ago that the world became aware of a new virus that was spreading rapidly with devastating results. It seemed unthinkable at the time that 12 months later we'd still be in the middle of a deep global crisis. Of the 100 million cases recorded, just three countries, the US, India and Brazil, account for more than 40%. The worldwide number of deaths with Covid-19 has passed 2 million and is rising rapidly. But experts believe these figures are an underestimate of both case numbers and fatalities. Britain has now lost 100,000 of its citizens with the virus, giving it among the highest per capita death rates in the world.
2: President Biden has all set out details of his plans to tackle racial inequality in the US. In a speech at the White House, he promised to make confronting the problem a key part of his administration's policies. Mr Biden said more needed to be done to help people of colour who've been disproportionately affected by the coronavirus pandemic. He also said xenophobia had spiked during the pandemic.
0: Today, I'm directing federal agencies to combat resurgence of xenophobia, particularly against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders that we've seen skyrocket during this pandemic. This is unacceptable, and it's un-American. I've asked the Department of Justice to strengthen its partnership with the Asian American and Pacific Islander community to prevent those hate crimes.
2: You're listening to the news on RTHK.
4: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you.
5: Good morning, everybody.
4: Today we're talking about the future of social media. The boss of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, has said permanently suspending President Donald Trump's popular account was the right thing to do, even though at the same time it did set a dangerous precedent. He said offline harm as a result of online speech is demonstrably real, but that the ban is a failure ultimately to promote healthy conversation. Should big tech social media giants like Facebook and Twitter have the right and responsibility to remove content they think is dangerous to society or to individuals? or is that a direct threat to free speech. Have we painted ourselves into a corner with social media where the loudest voices get all the attention no matter how wrong they are? Is better moderation the answer or more regulation? Should we follow the mainland into real name registration and uh, stricter control? Censorship in fact of certain keywords and topics. Who gets to say what social media rules should be? We want to hear your answers. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at RTHK.hk. we'll read out your comments or, or we, you can give us a call and we'll put you on air and the number is two three three eight eight two six six. if you want to join in two three three eight eight two six six is the number um, we are joined now by Pinda Wong who's the chairman of uh, Verify uh, Hong Kong and uh, a former commissioner of the Global Commission on Internet uh, Governance and we hope to be joined by others in the course of the program uh, uh, as well including Keith Richburg from the uh, Washington Post after nine o'clock. Also with us now is uh, Warren Whitlock, uh, Forbes' top 10 social media power influencer, author of Twitter Revolution: How Social Media and Mobile Marketing are Changing the Way We Do Business." joining us from the um, U.S. Let's kick off with, it with an email. Uh, once again, our address, backchat at rthk.hk. Bowen says in an email, Dear Backchat, three things matter in public discourse, whatever the forum. These are factual accuracy, logic and taste. Their monitoring requires a vigilant and impartial moderator or regulator of high integrity. The difficulties facing whom will increase considerably in societies where integrity is not valued by those in authority and exponentially in the case of social media giants like Facebook and Twitter. Self-discipline on the part of the participants is no less important, of course. No moderator can function well if large segments of those participating are hell-bent on spitting out vulgarisms and venom to garner attention, playing fast and loose with facts to mislead and obfuscate and breaching common rules of logic and decency to push for their cause. People cannot swim in a cesspool. That is from Bowen. Once again, our email address, backchat at rthk hk uh, Maybe we we'll start with uh, Pindar Wong. Uh, Mr Wong, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for for, for joining us. Let's, let's sort of start with the concrete. Do you, do you think um, Jack Dorsey made the right decision in uh, kicking out uh, Trump from Twitter?
3: Um, in short, it was a difficult decision. I think it's the right one because we're having the discussion right now. I also think it's right because of an action he took uh, almost a year and a half ago, which was recognising that his platform... Uh, obviously he needs to consider these issues. And he had this initiative called Blue Sky, which is actually trying to decentralize the platform that he created. So he was precedent in trying to create that, and this incident forced him. But I think I need to make a distinction between exactly what was banned, because I think we need to separate the, the, the role of uh, the you know, president of the United States and the role of the private person. So his um, at real Donald Trump, I think his, his private account um, was the one that was uh, initially temporarily suspended and then eventually permanently banned. But at POTUS, the president of the United States account, at least I checked this morning, seems to be uh, ongoing. What I think is a mistake, though, um, is, is um, Twitter's decision to back, uh, sort of at least uh, block the access to his at real Donald Trump's history. In other words, the public aren't really able at this point. To go through his historic data stream from twitter to actually make up their own mind and i think that's wrong
4: tell us more about this blue sky uh, initiative you mentioned that uh, twitter had started what what does that consist of
3: well i mean right now we're, we're talking about these uh, internet giants as basically platforms but i'm coming from the internet which is about protocols in other words when you have a everyone speaks the same language you have um the ability to move around effectively so um I think it was in December of 2019, he created this, he he recognized that we need to move towards this uh, sort of an open, decentralized, uh, or decentralized social media, media. and he's invested in in a few people developing new protocols to uh, develop an ecosystem of which Twitter is just one part of. In other words, it's not the only game in town, although currently it certainly feels like that with, I think, over 300 million users.
4: What would be the implications of that?
3: Basically, that you would have a choice, right? So, in other words, that if everyone spoke the same protocol, like we will still speak the name, uh, the same email protocol, and there's no lock in with one email uh, program or one email platform, you have a choice, then you will have competition in social media, which arguably uh, some of the legal actions about antitrust with these internet giants is, in, in some sense, the lack of um, the viable competition. And in fact, it's in the case of Facebook. I think the legal proceedings by the Federal Trade Commission to in- actually investigate that that very issue. In other words, is it anti-competitive? Are there are is our market forces able to um, to uh, be brought to the fore? Can users who don't like Twitter just up it and leave and go somewhere else? Um, and uh, if you have an open protocol, a technical standard, in addition to social norms, which is what I think today's discussion is about then people who don't like Twitter can just say, fine, I'll go. But in the case of the, the person Donald Trump, uh, the, the, at real, the at real Donald Trump, he didn't have that, doesn't really have that option. He said, I think later, ironically, from a different account, that it's time to build, a new, you know, he can go build his own platform. So free speech isn't free, and you can actually go and do that. And that's also the benefit of the Internet, if you view it from the perspective of protocols, and not the platform discussion which currently dominates
6: the news.
5: So in theory, then, if Donald Trump goes ahead and sets up his own platform, who will be the policeman of that then?
3: Well, again, if it's a platform, the way that the argument normally works is that, you know, if if he does it, for example, a private company, then they develop their own governance mechanisms, they develop their own moderation standards, their own rules, so to speak. But the issue that Jack's pointing out is that they're incompatible. In other words, you can't go from one to the other. And that's why uh, interoperable protocols, which are the heart of the Internet, haven't been developed for social media. Social media has been sticky. It's been the way that you build these Internet giants. And it's time for a change, time to move from sort of these centralized platforms where you don't have choice and you have the risk of trying to start your own. Obviously, it's very difficult because you're competing from a very low base of you know, maybe a few tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. When you're dealing with you know, Facebook's 2 point something billion users in a network and, and, and Twitter's 300 million. Right? So it's very difficult to get network effects. You have to offer something very different. And it'll be very unfortunate if that difference is um, sort of increased radicalism.
4: Hmm. Warren Whitlock, uh, good day to you. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us. What's your take on this? And, and what, what do you think is really at, at stake here? Uh, is, is it that social media, that Twitter has become too powerful and Facebook has become too powerful? No, I think that's a, a, a
6: 180 degrees off. Uh, Twitter was started on a protocol called SMS. Uh, it's the same one we use for text. Uh, they did a good job and set up the with their rules, and there are certain
4: things, I mean, that's a, you that's one of the, uh, I, I tell you what, Mr. Whitlock, we don't have a very good line. Let's see if we can call you back and see if we can, uh, improve that, and, and uh, then we can uh, hear you a little bit more clearly. Um, uh, so opportunity also to share some, uh, some of the interesting emails, uh, we've got. Uh, once again, backchat at rthk.hk is our address. Uh, Alan says, Dear Backchat, you said that banning Trump from Twitter was a dangerous precedent. I disagree. It was long overdue. The problem is the monopoly of a few huge companies, Google, Facebook. They have dominated because they either absorb or squeeze out any competition. Facebook bought WhatsApp for instance, Google bought YouTube. There must be a breakup of these companies, limits to how much of the market they can own. They are solely motivated by How big an audience, how much time each user spends on their site, which they sell to advertisers, they don't care about what people are looking at. Their algorithms are designed to maximise engagement. Truth or real-world consequences have no place. They very reluctantly moderate popular content, regardless of how toxic. They blocked Trump only when he was on his way out. We, the audience, need to be aware of what is happening. I'm amazed that now most people get news from Facebook. While they dismiss traditional news media as biased, they uncritically accept any garbage that suits their prejudice and pops up on their feed. Teaching people how to assess media is essential. Unfortunately, teaching critical thought is exactly the opposite of what most governments, and especially the Chinese government, want. They simply want you to believe that the official media and attack Uh, to believe the official media and attack truthful news that makes them look bad. They have no credibility, especially with youth. So people are left believing conspiracy theories and fake news proliferates. Those thoughts uh, from Alan, once again, backchat at hk. Warren Whitlock, I think we should have uh, got you back. You were were talking about kind of the origins of Facebook? Yes, uh, it was built on a protocol, uh, the SMS
6: protocol. Um, and so, uh, you know, originally Twitter was set up to just be able to do group text. Uh, now, text has totally changed since then. And, of course, so has Twitter. And Twitter expanded, allows 280 characters to 140. But the famous 140 it started with was 160 of SMS minus the uh, handle to identify who the message was going to. And so I don't think we need a new protocol, although I would not be against that. And, and definitely the idea of having other platforms come out that are more distributed and give uh, users more freedom. Uh, I think it's a mistake that we've reached the point where we're talking about getting Facebook and Twitter to be uh, private companies to be the arbitrators of what is good and bad, to be the censors on this material. Uh, here in the U.S., we, we take uh, our First Amendment as one of the fundamental important rights to us. Uh, we want We want free speech. We want everybody able to see what they want. And I think it's perfectly fine that the companies take an action that say, we're not going to allow certain things, especially when it got to what happened a couple of weeks ago. But long before that, I think we have to put the blame on a system where uh, newspapers, TV, go for the sensational, try to fill the 24-7 news block with um, something uh, titillating that that we can view. Um, and it, it is our responsibility, if those of us who haven't have a larger audience, to to be able to lead by, you know, speaking the truth and allowing people to verify whether something's true or not, and, and be open to other opinions. Uh, we can culturally do that, but we cannot enforce that everybody will will agree and have the right kind of opinions go to the right place. And I think uh, you know, absolutely, if Twitter is not providing you with the platform you want, you can go someplace else. But personally, I follow over 300,000 people. I do not get a lot of political, federal, uh, anything on, on my feed. I do not follow uh, Donald Trump, never have, wouldn't care to. Um, and I have conversations with people worldwide, business, culture, whatever I want to talk about It uh, doesn't have to be uh, the federal, uh, the, the the arguing back and forth of taking sides and this uh, you know trying to turn everything into a binary choice uh, it's, it's, they, these are false dichotomy the Republicans and the Democrats are very close together in what they want and they spend all their time arguing about a couple of things that are, are different um, and it's, I, I see this the same thing in every um, every discussion that goes on uh, like China versus the US and the tariffs and things like that, that. There is no right or wrong with that. There are two sides, they mostly, we all want to trade, we all want to get along. And, uh, and and the media has done a really good job of turning that into being a, a fight that just shouldn't exist.
5: Well, you, you say there's no right or wrong, but surely we have to have limits. I mean, newspapers, radio and TV have, off, have operated within the laws of defamation and libel and slander forever. Why is social media, which equally broadcasts, exempt from that?
6: Well, the problem with social media is, it goes right back to what it was named. We call it social media. It is not media.
5: But it is media. Uh, It's going out to the masses. There is no
6: publisher involved. No, no, no. There is no no centralized control of what is going out. It is not Twitter, the publisher. The the Twitter corporation is not the publisher of Twitter. And Section 230 of our law that allowed for these things to happen would, would make it possible that any user-generated content cannot be, uh, you know, libelous to the company that's carrying it. So we don't, we don't require a telephone company to require every conversation that goes on It there was to be okay. And basically, that's what Twitter uh, is. It is SMS, uh, a party line where anybody can listen in uh Facebook has uh, a whole different algorithm in what they do with the collection of media and, and friends and those connections but uh some and by the way these companies are calling for regulation um, I met with a uh a senior uh C-level person at uh at Facebook about a year ago and she said really we don't want to do this please give us some give us some rules we're going to follow you do not want these people censoring things Whereas a newspaper has to pick out what it's going to publish, and they do, they do censor in that way, and they need to be responsible for, for the decisions they make. If we want to set up to have a publishing uh, thing that uses the Internet, that's okay. You subscribe to it. You adhere to certain laws. But the way we set these up is for the free speech so that you and I can express, express our opinions rather
3: than expressing the opinion of some centralized control.
4: Yeah,
3: well, I was just jumping in. I mean, yeah. this is somewhat of a of, a, of a, I was the U.S. Um, specific argument in, in terms of mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the reference to Section 20, uh, 230 of the CDA. Again, Twitter and Facebook as U.S. private companies. And uh, the reason, Anna, why this is um, uh, a difficult issue is because we're dealing with a, uh, a geographicless network but using geographic mindsets. You know, laws have borders. So, yes, you have media regulation yes you have um it being a company incorporated in a certain country in this case of facebook and twitter they're the u.s and therefore bound by u.s laws but we're talking about um these networks now which you know you've got 4.6 billion people on the internet you've got facebook having over 2 billion users um again more than populations of india and china combined you've heard that speak earlier on backchat on that we're dealing with something which in some sense is now supranational And therefore I don't think it's um, adequate to use, again, the same level and quality of thinking at a purely sovereign uh, US-centric view when, in some sense, the rest of the world is also um, implicated by these local decisions made in the US. I mean, the Europeans um, are, in some sense, a superpower in terms of regulation. We're also trying to find our way. Um, That is why we have to look at, um, I think, the protocol view, not the platform view, and have, in some sense, a more nuanced discussion um, Than again, these binary discussions that that Warren has pointed out to. I think the binary discussion is a fake discussion. I entirely agree with Warren on that, and I think it's time for a more nuanced discussion. Um, but the opportunity here is to recognise that there are competitors, right? So, you know, you've got Mastodon, Diaspora, uh, Mediverse, Teambit, Social X, etc., that you could move to if you didn't like Facebook or Twitter. However, these are just other platforms, and so you're just repeating the same issue, but in, a, in some sense a fragmented way. By having a common protocol and looking at where the feedback mechanism uh, should lie um, is, is a different start. The other start, obviously, is to put pressure on the um, shareholders of these private companies to say, look, these are private companies, although the traditional argument is that's why they need to be given the space. They, they are now bigger than sort of the public um, in the traditional definition but they are still private companies and therefore they are accountable as profit-making entities or doing in some sense a public service. But these profit-making companies are bound to generate a profit and they are accountable to their shareholders. So why don't we start with the shareholders and what in fact the shareholders do? So in fact, right now, I think it's time for the shareholders of these private companies to speak up and say, how do they want their company to which they own? What's the direction should be? And we haven't heard that Um, voice articulate yet and I think it's missing from the conversation
5: But can I put another um, point in here on on your word accountability, it's all very well that, but if the companies themselves aren't transparent with what they're doing, how will we know I take for example Google now, um, when I try and advertise addiction Mm -hmm. um, therapy uh, on Google for the last 18 months that has been banned as an ad word, now addiction in the American Psychological Society of uh, Listed Diseases is a disease, it's a medical condition. What gives Google the right to arbitrarily ban anybody from advertising the word addiction? And what other words are covertly banned that we don't even know about? Why don't they have a list, for example, of you can't use these words? The only way you discover the words that are banned on Google Ads words is to come up against the ban.
3: Right, and so that's the argument, of, um, uh, the argument for greater transparency in terms of their proprietary algorithm for how they rank, which is their intellectual property. So when you start controlling speech in the case of AdWords, then the other question is, well, then who indexes the Internet and are there competitors to Google out there? Unfortunately, there are people who are, and hopefully the next generation of, I mean, the Internet is an experiment. And yes, that is the problem of today. Google is accountable to that. But in some sense, these algorithms, once you look beyond that, is that even if you provided transparency into a technical algorithm, you might not be able to interpret. So just banning the word itself is not enough. And so as we move into this age of algorithms, we're going to have huge social consequences for, yes, you have transparency, here's the algorithm, it's 300 pages long, have at it. It's not going to mean anything. So. We did not expect the whole of society now to move on to the Internet. So society now needs to articulate with people who are experts in the field, people such as yourself with respect to addiction, people who are uh, librarians, people who are linguists, people who are political scientists. So we don't have these um, platforms be so-called the ministers of truth, uh, as we were warned uh, so long ago. Uh,
4: Warren Whitlock, I mean, do you, do you essentially see the social media as a kind of reflection of all the the good and bad things uh, in society, and if there are, if there are stupid people, and if there's binary thinking, and and so on, that's just what people are like, uh, or or is it actually you know causing the problem? Is it actually um, stirring up? Um you know whether the attack on the capital or mistrust towards democratic institutions <laughs> yeah. and, and so on is it is it active or passive here do you think
6: well'm i'm, a, I'm a, yeah i'm a futurist that loves technology, so i'm going to come down on this item. The tech is the sword sword um, it was cut both ways to its sword uh, as a metaphor would say, and um, whatever tools we provide to people are going to be used for both good and bad. I don't think the social media does something. I don't think the social media company does that. I know plenty of people having haven't written the first book about Twitter. For 12 years now, I've had people tell me that, one, Twitter's going to go broke really soon um, and, you know, it'll survive. They told me that before the book came out. And um, uh, the other is that, uh, you know, somehow Twitter's passed and we're going to move on to something else. They tell tales of, MySpace being replaced with Facebook, and that's just not the business story that went on. MySpace grew, got out of control, had its own management problem. Facebook came along and offered a slightly different uh, uh, way of doing things, and, uh, you know, it was superior. Plenty of people decided to leave MySpace and go to Facebook, but gosh, I kept my MySpace account open for years when I switched. And that's the same is going on now. That's, uh, we're all leaving in mass, um, you know, millions of people are shutting down their accounts. Uh, this just, is just not a way to control things. That's mob rule, and I think that it, as you say, is uh, appealing to what society brings us rather than um, rather than the tech causing it. Um, and then, of course, the best example of all is uh, in China. Twitter and Facebook and Google are, you know, if not banned, completely different entities uh, because, and and some of that is decided by the government. Book. Culturally, people there are getting along just fine without using Twitter and Facebook every day. And I think we need to keep that in mind. And when we want to fix something, we come up with something better. I totally agree that banning the word addiction is, a, is problematic. And, and, I'm, and I know people working for Google. I've talked to uh, one of the heads of search from years ago. It's uh, their, their aim is to try to make it so that the rules are Better known and easy to follow, without giving away the secret sauce of how they rank things. Uh, he wasn't particularly in ads; he was in the S- SEO version of it. But they they do want to cooperate. But we've got to, you know, we have to have, we have to try to get that dialogue. No, they don't they want. They
5: don't we'll want to cooperate. They don't because when you ask them to explain, they, they won't. You have spoke to Larry and Larry and Sergey. No, but repeated attempts you know to get, then, get in Google. Their what they want. No, but why, don't, why doesn't it filter down to their minions then who can't explain their decisions?
6: Because they are a large company, and that's the problem with large centralized control. The same reason why you can't get a good answer. You can't fight City Hall, you can't get a good answer from any government entity is because it's centralized planning, and decentralized is going to fix that.
4: Pinder Wong.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's where where regulation steps in, right? So, you know, at the level of individual users or actors or subscribers, whatever you call them, you know, that you you can't take so-called collective action. I think mean, one thing that would be very interesting is instead of individually subscribing, my pragmatic suggestion is these social media companies allow groups to leave en masse. And once you have that not individually subscribed, I don't think that is as effective as, as Warren would, would make it out to be. If there was a mechanism for groups to opt out, there would be an immediate feedback. And I think what's different with... These technologies, yes, they're knives, but they are also accelerators insofar as the time taken between the action and its repercussions is now so quick that there is in fact not much time to think about mm. what to do and what? if you're going to automate that, that might even make it even worse
4: Okay, well we have run out of time uh, now we've got a break for the news. Pinda Wong, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us, Chairman of uh, Verify Hong Kong and uh, Warren uh, Whitlock, uh, social media power influencer author of Twitter Revolution We're going to continue uh, after the news at 9. Join us, the weather mainly cloudy, 18 degrees the latest readings and the relative humidity is now at 75%
2: support of 17 Republicans to convict Mr Trump. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
4: Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Wednesday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about the future of uh, social media. This is kind of inspired by uh, Twitter. Uh, banning uh, President uh, Donald Trump. Was that the right thing to do? The uh, the boss said it was the right thing to do, but it did set a dangerous precedent. He, he acknowledged that. He said, offline harm as a result of online speech is demonstrably real. Uh, and uh, that's what we're uh, thrashing out. Do uh, social media organisations, especially the big ones, do they, do they have uh, too much power? Uh, who should be doing the moderating? What kind of censorship uh, can be uh, tolerated? Uh, should be. Uh, we were talking in the first part of the program to Warren Whitlock and uh, Pinda Wong, we're joined now by Keith Richberg, who's the director and professor of practice at the Journalism and Media Studies Center at the University of Hong Kong, uh, former Washington Post uh, correspondent and uh, president of the uh, Foreign Correspondents Club. Uh, once again, our email address is uh, two three. Th- I'm sorry, our email address is hk Our phone number is two three three eight eight two six six. Uh, give give us a call if you want to join the uh, conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, mike i think in a, in, in a moment um uh, first of all uh, quite a few interesting comments uh, thank you very much indeed um someone who says uh, who signs himself cto says as we do in crypto we should start applying rules of kyc to post as a legal requirement the same way we manage aml now, if I didn't know what all that meant, so I've just googled it. KYC is Know Your Customer, and AML is Anti Money Laundering. So thanks for uh, for that. Um, uh, Anthony says it's nothing new that social media that heralds hate crimes and racism are banned. Cases in point: 8chan and 4chan, were banned as they carried loads of discussion on extremism and violent crimes, such as the Christchurch mosque shootings. Uh, any one of you think that 8chan should not be banned, or any one of you think that it's the freedom of speech that 8chan and other hate-provoking social media accounts are actually upholding? That is uh, from uh, Anthony. Uh, Matthew says, how can it possibly be okay for a private company to block the democratically elected president of the United States in an arbitrary and inconsistent manner while they allow others saying the same or worse things to remain, inclusive of the CCP's Xinjiang genocide disinformation campaign? The hypocrisy and double standards are terrifying, especially from those who favour democracy but hate Trump and celebrated this one-off abuse of power and freedom of speech because it happens to align with their own political thinking. Pragmatically illiberal liberals. So dangerous. That is uh, from Matthew. And on Facebook, Tom says the invention of the printing press caused the first boom in free speech. And instead of dense literary works, not surprisingly, fiery pamphlets inflaming the differences between Protestants and Catholics became much more popular and helped you fuel 100 years of war in Europe. Then libel and slander laws were introduced, commercial newspapers replaced pamphlets and the need for media organisations to sell advertising and avoid trouble with the government brought debate and opinions back to the middle. Now with clickbait that rewards people for being more and more extreme with their views and very little pulling people towards the middle we're suddenly back to where we started. Western governments were very vocal about promoting free speech when we were all playing on their government provided mini golf course. Biden now has some work ahead, redefining what free speech means in 2021. Some of it right now looks a lot like what China's been doing with keyword and topic censorship for the last decade. And TC says the danger is that we're relying on big techs like Facebook and Twitter to decide what's acceptable speech. For example, as Mark Zuckerberg isn't a professional historian, I'm not sure if he understands the line between Holocaust denial and and legitimately questioning accounts of it. That is from TC. Thanks very much indeed. Backchat at rthk.hk, uh, email address. Uh, uh, Keith Richburg, good morning to you. Uh, uh, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, first of all, um, do you agree? I mean, I think Jack Dorsey kind of put it quite nicely that banning Trump, was the he thought, it was the right thing to do, but it did set a dangerous precedent. Do you have some sympathy with that view?
7: I, I do have some sympathy with it. I think banning Trump was indeed the right thing to do. Uh, I, you know, it, it was a tough call. I'm not going to pretend it was an easy call, but I support it for a couple of reasons, which is, you know, a lot of people who are opposing it say this violates the First Amendment. You know, we, we make a lot of the U.S. about our First Amendment of the Constitution guaranteeing freedom of, of speech. Uh, that First Amendment actually says government shall pass no law abridging freedom of speech. Uh, this is a private company. And private companies abridge free speech all the time. I mean, you know, for example, I have no constitutional right to go on CNN and say what I want. You know, it's a private company. They invite who they want. I have no constitutional right to get an article published in The Washington Post or The New York Times. It's not abridging my freedom of speech for them to choose what to publish and what not to choose. So for Twitter to ban anyone they want... Uh, that's perfectly within their right as a a private company and it has nothing to do with free speech which free speech in the Constitution talks about government passing laws so I guess what it comes down to is uh, you know we don't like government passing laws telling us what we can and cannot say in terms of private companies I mean they regulate things all the time I mean there are you know right-wing blogs and right-wing newspapers and right-wing television stations that would never allow on someone who espouses left-wing views and and vice versa so that happens all the time so You know, I think Twitter was perfectly within their rights. I think it's a power that they probably want to use very sparingly. And in the case of Donald Trump, they set their standards. They had warned him numerous times uh, by putting uh, warning labels on some of his tweets that what he was saying uh, violated their terms of service because he was spreading misinformation or disinformation about the election. Just as earlier he was spreading misinformation and disinformation about COVID. So it wasn't like it was done abruptly. It was done after multiple warnings.
5: So where does that leave us going forward with this whole sticky debate?
7: (laughs) Well, you know, I've I've been saying and I've been talking to some of my students about this over the last years, really. And I say, you know, and again, I'm not saying these are easy questions, but the question I pose is if if you agree that some speech should be regulated, you shouldn't allow anybody to say anything, particularly if it's speech that leads to action or that could could and has in some cases led to violence. Who is it that should do the regulating? Do you want government? Regulate what can and be cannot said on the internet, which is what they do in China, or do you want the companies to regulate themselves? And I personally, and again, I, I recognize that Mark Zuckerberg is not a, an expert on the you know, on the Holocaust or anything else. But I think I'd rather have the companies set their own standards for what can and cannot be said on their sites, because if they don't. Government's going to step in. And yeah. to me, government deciding is more terrifying.
5: Well, let, let's take a, a little um, micro example here. Let's take the FCC, for example. Now, that's a club. Now, if you join the FCC, you sign up to obey their MA and play by the rules. It's a private Section 29 company um, gov- uh, controlled by guarantee. We join the FCC, of which I'm a member, you're a member, and we know the rules. Now, Twitter is a private company. What stops them having very clear rules? When you go on to Twitter, these are the rules. Yeah,
7: I think that's exactly right. And I think, uh, and again, as I said in the Donald Trump case, it's not like they sprung this on him. They told him, look, you know, if you continue to deny the Holocaust, or sorry, if you continue to deny the election results, Holocaust, or if you continue to deny that COVID is uh, worse than the seasonal flu, you know, these are things that we are warning you that you are crossing the line. Uh, And he continued to ignore. He continued to kind of post these things after being noticed that that these things are crossing the line. So I think as long as a private company, just like the FCC or other private clubs, make it clear what you can't, you know, what is what is permissible and what is not permissible, I don't really have a problem with them finally saying, "Okay, this person is bad." I guess the question becomes to me is, you know, is this a lifetime ban or can can they take another look at this in six months or a year or, or or what have you?
4: And if you have another company uh, that uh, has people on it who are saying "kill all Muslims," um, that's fine as well. That's okay because that's a private company.
7: Well, it, uh, unfortunately, that's you know, if that's a private company and that's what they want to uh, allow people to espouse on there, you know, it's something that I would disagree with. And I, again, but the question becomes, you know, who do you want making that decision as to what has to be banned? Should it be government making that decision, or should these things be self-regulated? I mean, look, if you want to know how to build a bomb, you could probably go on YouTube and you you can find a video showing you exactly how to build an explosive device to blow up a car. But, you know, know, who is to say that this thing should be banned and something else should not be banned? I really think we've got to leave that in the hands of the, the individual companies. And, you know, it's a system that worked for us pretty well, you know, in the age before the Internet. You know, newspapers, you know, generally police themselves. Uh, you could go to the supermarket, and you could still buy the tabloids that said, "You know, aliens stole my mother." But you know, most people kind of understood that newspapers were only going to print things that were widely considered at the time to be accurate.
4: Mm. Okay. Well, uh, number two three three eight eight two six six. I hope we've still got Mike on the line. Mike, good morning.
7: I'm listening.
0: I uh, listen to Warren. I listen to this gentleman. Uh, who's to um, who's going to censor what he had to say? I mean, there was at least three or four items that he talked about that really were skating truth. I mean, they were. It was yeah, that was one side of the story, very heavily weighted, but you don't hear the other side of the story.
5: What are you referring to specifically, Mike?
0: Well, specifically, we could uh, when he was talking about the private, the private company aspect and the truth aspect of that private company. They have they have a privilege, Section Two Thirty, and they with that with that privilege there there comes responsibility, and this is why even your even when you started you you started talking about Jack was it proper for him to censor someone? I mean I'm not going to take the Trump bait, but was it proper for who's to say he's the arbitrator?
5: Well, somebody has to be.
0: Well, tell me then, who's the arbitrator on on media because I think this goes this goes entirely to the truth or or the the leftist lean that we get on just plain media. who's going to be the arbitrator of that?
5: well, we're back to that original argument, aren't we, with the previous two speakers that now, because of the very nature of social media. It crosses all borders. Most of the existing legislation that governs the control of behaviour on newspapers, radio, and TV is country specific. We're now in a different era where that no longer applies. There are no global laws governing this.
0: I know, but we don't. We we no longer have any journalistic investigating. What you read on RTHK, and I don't want to be badmouth on RTHK. I love RTHK. But what you read on RTHK, you do not investigate as to whether or not it's truth. Whoa, whoa,
5: whoa! I a, have to challenge that. Are you impugning journalistic standards on RTHK without any evidence?
0: Well, uh, what I'm saying is, you read completely what's on, on AP. Whatever the Associated Press puts out, you read it, whether or not it's a left, uh, a left-leaning politician that is giving us medical advice or giving us scientific evidence you haven't you haven't investigated that scientific evidence.
5: Well there simply isn't time and that's what AP is isn't it if you understand the structure of news organizations. I understand the
0: structure but see that
5: is an excuse. No, no, it's not. We, we, we don't have the time. Uh, well, exactly. You know, newspapers are the first draft of history. So is radio and TV. If you want up-to-date news, you have to do the best you can, which is go with re- reputable news organizations I, I, like Reuters and AP.
0: Yeah, but see, I read scientific journals, and I come on the radio, and I tell what the scientific journals tell us about COVID, what they tell us about vaccines, and Hugh, bless his heart, mumbles through that. And when after he reads it, I don't even understand what I said. And and I have repeatedly t- given scientific evidence, but it's not the narrative, so it doesn't get any attention.
5: Well, journalists are doing the best they can with the information they can. That is why Reuters and AP exist. They are trusted, reliable news sources.
0: Well, by whom? And that is the that is the main question because people no longer trust media
5: well you say and that you say that
0: i look at i look at i look at surveys i look at surveys and 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 it's like 70% of the people 70% of those surveyed don't trust what they hear on the media, and the media haven't even figured that out yet.
4: So, just to bring this back to social media, is this does this all apply to social media equally? are You saying, or are you saying social media is an alternative, or, or what?
0: Well, social media. Here, here's, the, here's the thing with social media: they have some privileges that they're taking advantage of, and nobody is wants to address that. Like, what? you know, you address the you're addressing you know all the you know well Trump said this, and of course. He, he, he had a comment on COVID. Listen, Mike. I have two sons in the profession that are dealing with COVID every day, and here's what they tell me, Dad: the more we know, the more we know we don't know. So it's an ever-changing. It is an ever-changing. Yeah, sorry, Mike. Can uh, I get you back to social
4: media? What, what, what What's your point about social media?
0: Well, social media. Here's the thing: so you come up with social. There are. There are. Uh, changing truths on social media that if they don't fit their narrative jack and the zucker the Zuckerbuck, they eliminate them from their site.
4: okay and you're saying it's a valuable source of uh, alternative information and alternative viewpoints and so on
0: i'm telling you it, it's getting to the point where it's very difficult to even do the research because of their because of their restriction of what they want you to hear, right? I think it was brought up on. It was brought up on the addiction aspect. If you go to Google and you try to find a particular subject, they've restricted it, so you can't even you, you can't even study what you really want to know. Is this a fact or is it not a fact? Well, it's been restricted, and so what the restriction is is there is a narrative that. Uh, the world powers want you to know. And if you want to
7: find the truth, it's really, really difficult.
4: Uh, so, Keith. Okay, well, Keith Richard, do you want to respond?
7: Uh, yeah, I think one of the problems is, well, he's correct that people have grown to distrust the media. Uh, uh, in large part, partly that is because of an orchestrated campaign by people like President Trump to blast all media that they don't like as fake news. And that has you know had years of years of impact. Um, and I've seen it not just in the U.S., you see it now in the Philippines, in Myanmar, in Thailand, where anything they don't like now, they can use the same phrase as fake news. But the other uh, point that he gets to is now that uh, you, you know, while there is, and I do think AP and Reuters are reputable, and he says well, who gives them that credibility or that reputation, it's over history and over time. They've built up their credibility and their reputation, just like the major international Uh, Publications and and news outlets have built up a reputation for credibility. Uh, The difference now with social media is that if you don't like something, if you don't, if you really don't want to wear a mask and you think that masks don't really work, you can go online and find some scientific, so-called scientific study showing that masks really don't work against the virus. And then you're wondering, well, why don't the media report that? Or you could find something saying that, you know, COVID really is not that deadly. Uh, it's really not, you know, not, not as bad as the seasonal flu. And you can find some, you know, some wacky science, so called pseudoscience journal that's going to tell you that, or that drinking bleach is good for you. And then they'll say, but I don't see that on AP. So they are covering up the truth. So the problem with social media and the problem with the internet is it has allowed. All kinds of kind of conspiracy theory and anti-vaxxer and all kinds of things that kind of float around out there and if people don't see it reported on RTHK or in the Washington Post etc they accuse us of covering up the truth that's that's what's going on now
5: so Keith is it a matter of educating people better to be more discerning and checking the sources of what they're reading since we don't seem to be able to control the vast dissemination of information now Absolutely.
7: That's why we emphasize news literacy a lot. And you really have to start, you know, you, re- you really have to start with, with the youngest kids, you know, and teach them how not everything you read on the Internet is true or just because something purports to be a scientific paper or someone purports to be a doctor or a scientist that he's wearing a white coat. It doesn't mean that he's, he's not talking nonsense. Uh, look, you, you kind of instinctively, at least growing up where I was, you kind of instinctively knew that these were real newspapers that you could trust. Those things that they sell by the checkout stand at the seven eleven that say Elvis is still alive and, and you know, aliens stole my boyfriend, you know, you knew that was just kind of you know hoaxy newspapers and jokes. You instinctively knew that. You instinctively knew when something was satire or when something was mm-hmm. fake because you could tell. You know, in the internet age, we don't have that many tools to to instinctively know this. So I know I'm constantly getting past things by people who are, you know, friends of mine who are mature who are asking me, Is this true? No, look at look at it. Look at the source. It's coming from some unknown wacky source. And of course this isn't true. Just do a quick Google search and you can see it's not then. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah, a quick here. Google search. Yeah, but do a he- quick
7: really do a quick Google search and if no one else is reporting this or if a Google search can tell you this photo is fake. You know, a Google search can tell you that this is a fake that's been floating around. But people don't even do the bare minimum <laughs> before they pass on something on WhatsApp or I've got a majority of republicans who believe that there was massive fraud and Biden wasn't legitimately elected.
4: <laughs> Mike,
0: well we had you know he, he, that's another that's another point. All you have to do is what you just have done Peter. You have
4: Case Keith. Keith.
0: going on with the election we know that laws were changed illegally we know that there were people in detroit that were blocking windows so that the observers couldn't see what was going on so these things we know and you really want to ignore that and so well, okay
6: oh it's a have, wacko
7: it's wacko well, i a thing a point of personal privilege because i'm from detroit and that's completely nonsensical everything I thought, that was done was excuse me Everything that was done was, a number one, within the laws of the time. If there, and there were legitimate places where you could question, should Pennsylvania have changed their voting law? There are ways to adjudicate this. You adjudicate this in the election commissions themselves. You adjudicate this in state courts. All of these cases went to state Supreme Court. All of these things were investigated. The they were did see, a, That is a lie right
0: then. That's a lie. They weren't investigated. They were... Uh, they went to the supreme court and supreme uh, <clears> court ruled <throat> not to listen to them. Mike, so nothing... Mike
5: Mike can we can we not get back into this very old <laughs> argument okay. Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, I think that was a that it was a point though. He brought up
0: the point and you're coming at me because uh, because I want to question the point and you didn't go to him because he was the one that brought it up first. See, that's a that's a bias mm. and the news automatically does that. The media does that.
4: All right, Mike, thanks, for, thanks very much for your call. Oh, just before you go, yeah, a couple of, a couple of emails. Uh, Alan says, uh, you let Mike ramble on for several minutes about how you trust AP, but is offended you don't trust his interpretation of science that he read somewhere and has no authority. Please give him a time limit. Uh, zero, my vote. I do trust AP and RTHK for now. And uh, Philip says... Uh, Please stop having Mike on the show. He adds no value, just cheap jibes at RTHK and non-Trump voters. That's uh, from uh, Philip. Uh, uh, we welcome Mike. Thank you very much indeed. But I, I, I think, yeah, a uh, time limit is appropriate for uh, for any uh, any contributor. And we're, we're kind of approaching the, the end now for the, for the moment. Uh, I mean, uh, Keith Richburg, you've kind of chosen, I've got to say, kind of easy examples if you're talking about kind of, you know, whether – people landed on the moon or not um, mm. there are there are plenty of gray areas whether it's you know something the efficacy of a vaccine or something like that or or you know Trump's Iran sure. policy or something like that how do mm. you uh, where, where the facts aren't so clear uh, you know sure. who is going to be regulating and who is going to be saying yes we will allow that comment we won't allow, we won't allow that comment it, exactly
7: And, you know, and again, with all deference to Mike, I mean, I do think there are areas that are open for legitimate political debate. Is the Iran deal a good deal or a bad deal? You know, for example, you know, uh, you know, is, you know, is Iran having nuclear weapons? You know, is that a danger to us or not a danger? These are legitimate grounds for debate. Then you start getting into areas that are more difficult. Climate change. Uh, you know I think there's there are legitimate debates to be had over whether or not uh, tackling climate change is more important than boosting you know economic growth in some places that that is that is a legitimate complaint to have. But then, when you start getting into denying that climate change exists, and then you're going to go find a few scientists out of the you know the many, many millions more you know who believe that this is real and it's happening now that that gets into climate denialism but again there is a legitimate debate over whether the cure or the the remedies for climate change are too extreme and might hurt the economy or that maybe climate change is so far off that we shouldn't deal with it now we should go like wait until the future but then, you know that's a legitimate debate I don't think that debate should be censored but when you have people actually denying the facts that are in front of us that's when I think you you know that social media companies have a responsibility and I would again it's you know these aren't easy calls these are close calls but i do think they have a legitimate right to say we are not going to allow climate denialism In the same way that we understood that masks work masks are effective against the virus and i don't really think it's doing anything good and in fact it's confusing people if you would allow some people on there to say no masks don't do any good in fact masks are worse for you because they can trap the viruses inside of your nostrils and, and cause you know sinus yeah. problems.
4: I mean, so I mean, you're saying you know it's it's up to the individual um, platform website to to regulate it in the way they choose, and if people don't like it, they can go to another website. They can they can do something yeah. else. But, but I, I guess the trouble, the argument would be now that though that Facebook and Twitter, in particular, and you know especially in the United States, but sure. are, you know in many many parts of the world as well, have just become too big. It's become too sure. too centralised, and you so you've got too much hap power in the hands of a few uh, people a few regulators who are making their judgment calls uh, which are having a massive uh, impact and you've either got to um make those people more accountable in some way make the process more transparent or break it up or or uh, uh, you know stop but stop all this being centralized in such a in, in this way
7: that's a legitimate complaint that they've got too much power. I do think they should be more transparent and more open about, you know, how they, you know, what things they're going to promote, what things they're going to, uh, going to not allow on their platforms. But, you know, I believe in, you know, Thomas Jefferson talked about the marketplace of ideas. Look, if Facebook or Twitter or someone else became way too restrictive and started restricting too many people, like Donald Trump, for example, uh, then people will vote with their feet. They'll go away. They'll say they'll go to another platform. I mean, so they only exist because people volunteer to use those platforms. And trust me, if they started censoring too many things or started overreaching with their their controls, I think you would see an exodus to some other platform. And you know, and by the way, people keep talking about the you know the you know Trump uh, being you know banned on Twitter and that's a violation of his free speech. Or others like the My Pillow CEO was just banned on Twitter. You know, Donald Trump can come out tomorrow and make a statement and it'll be blasted all over the world on every front page. So it's not like he's lacking any way to get his message out. You know, he's got an email list of millions of supporters. I mean, any time he walked to a microphone and spoke, there'd be, you know, probably 50 cameras in front of him Mm. recording it live. So it's not like there's any violation of free speech. Your free speech doesn't give you a right to have a Twitter account or your right to say anything you want on Facebook.
5: But would you agree you cannot have freedom without responsibility?
7: Oh, absolutely, you should be responsible for what you say. You're always. And look, every country in the world restricts some form of speech. I mean, and you know when I, when I was based in Paris, I covered trials of people who denied the Holocaust. Uh, if you go to Thailand, you, you know you don't insult the king uh, in, in in Indonesia or Malaysia, you don't insult Islam. So every country has its red lines that they draw somewhere in terms of free speech. So you have to know how to act, how to use your freedom of speech responsibly, and you know. Again, I think, as you were saying earlier, it's you know every it's geographic red lines. Everybody knows in certain places certain things are
4: off limits. Okay. Well, uh, just a a few more uh, emails and comments uh, to uh, finish off. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, On Facebook, uh, John says, "Why does Backchat constantly allow Mike to spike?" Uh, to spout his nonsense uh, the guest has clearly stated what Twitter's policy is, the difference between free speech and commerce, uh, it does the show where its listeners no favours to give him so much uh, airtime. time uh, Andrew says uh, the very fact that Mike can rant away on Backchat proves there is no limitation on free speech on RTHK at least And TC says the distasteful part about censoring Trump is that Twitter is pretending that it hasn't been financially benefiting from having the most powerful person in the world as uh, its user... Um, Thank you very much indeed for uh, those comments. And uh, many thanks to uh, Keith Richburg. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Richburg. He's uh, uh, Director and Professor of Practice in Journalism and Media Studies Centre at the University of Hong Kong, President of the Foreign Correspondents Club, uh, former Washington Post correspondent. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, A few emails on on other issues. Um, Oh, no, here's one that's related. This is signed an English non-Twit who says, as a non-American, we mostly consider Twitter is for Twits. And English twit is an idiot. Um, and uh, on uh, other issues, um, uh, let's see. Uh, Ama says... Uh, on the news, some official was referring to tighter border control, claiming that embassy staff and arrivals are not tested for COVID. That is false. All diplomats are tested as everyone else arriving and quarantine as everyone else. Thank you. That Clarification from uh, Ama. Thank you very much indeed uh, for that. Um, Martin says, could any of your audience provide a link that provides a breakdown on how much money is being paid to the companies providing the testing services and the names of the firms involved? I can't find this information anywhere. Also of interest is who is providing all the equipment, protective gear etc and the food supplies. Where are all the support staff being recruited from? Are they civil servants on overtime? Some multimillionaires are being minted through this process. Taxpayers would like to have a detailed account of the sums involved as our FS has warned that we face a large budget Deficit, And there is no money in the kitty to pay unemployment benefits to those folk who find themselves unemployed and in dire straits due to government policies. To date, there's been little transparency with regard to costs and disbursements. Um... Herman says, I commend the South China Morning Post for admitting that it had run a misleading photo and pulled the picture. Unlike some other media outlets, they obviously are concerned about maintaining their journalistic integrity. Though I must wonder why, in a town where restaurants are all too eager to drown vegan salads with liberally sprinkled genuine bacon bits, the great bastions of unique eloquence in defence of rights, Maoist Matthew and Bowen, did not demand that RTHK interrogate the government as to why Yao Mong residents were denied a choice of standard vegetarian. Vegetarian, Seafood free, pescatarian, gluten free, dairy free, or carnivore diet friendly meals, or press the government to admit the real reason residents of Yao Chimong were not given can openers were government fears these could be turned into weapons. Uh, uh, thank you very much indeed for uh, uh, all your emails. Oh, yeah, one more from Scott. Uh, who says, not sure if this topic has been raised before. Please excuse if it has. Won't go into full explanation of locals' poor predicament due to this China virus. Yet how are the likes of Parkinshop Shop able to rip the hell out of those that are suffering by raising, doubling their prices? Surely this gives people more excuse to eat on the streets. Please don't tell me this is Lee Ka-Shing and he can do what he wants because he contributes to Hong Kong development. That is uh, the thoughts of Scott. Thank you very much indeed, Anna. Thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Uh, here's the weather. Mainly cloudy, sunny periods, with a maximum temperature of 21 degrees today, 18 degrees at the moment and a relative humidity now of 76%.
2: Amid the epidemic, thanks to all for being self-disciplined to protect yourselves and others.
1: Thanks for keeping up personal and environmental hygiene and contributing to fighting the virus.
2: We must take further steps. Keep track of your whereabouts. If you are sick, don't go to work or school. See the doctor and get tested promptly. We will prevail over the epidemic. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. Fight the virus. Stay vigilant.
4: 9.35, the news now with Samantha Butler.
2: The government says it found...